I'm Sebastian Rickerhoff. And my name is Rowan Wood, and this is Across the Stars, where, if it's Star Wars, we cover, we cover it. And uh, today we have a very special guest with us. This is Mackenzie DeMello, who will be joining us for the very first time. We are very excited to have her. Hi, I'm excited to be here. It's very fun. Um, <laughs> this is the second Star Wars podcast I've been on, sort of, because I was on Rowan's uh, May the 4th episode, where we talked for an hour about Star Wars. So I'm very excited to do it again. Yeah. Since it's your first time, would you like to give us uh, your your brief Star Wars backstory, sort of how you got into it, and you know? Yeah. Um, so, as far as I can remember, I know my family had the VHS of the the special edition Star mm-hmm. Wars, which I believe was the second remaster, mm-hmm. or it was the first remaster, second. the many remasters and remaking Um, because I remember it having us having to re uh, fast forward at the beginning through all the like George Lucas talking about how excited he is about CGI (laughs) Um, so I remember that and then our VCR broke for a very extended period of time and the only Star Wars film that we had on DVD was The Phantom Menace. And so I am someone who genuinely likes The Phantom Menace. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I watched a video essay about it recently, but uh, the Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul fight scene, I think is the best lightsaber fight ever. I think it the choreography of it is just like symbolism in it and all that jazz. Well, we have an hour and a half uh, episode on the Phantom Menace. If you're ever interested in, <laughs> I in, in am listening very to interested it. in it. So um, I will definitely be uh, listening to that. Later. But uh, just before we get on with today's topic, I just have one quick question because I'm a little curious. Are you, do you prefer prequel trilogy or sequel trilogy? Out of the two, mm. ooh, that's a good question. Or yeah, I mean, because uh, if you included the original, it would obviously be yeah. No, the originals, movie. I think, are but between like... prequel and sequel, that's a really good question. So roughly I, even, maybe I'd say sequel because I got to experience the hype with it. Because mm-hmm. like when like I like the. Prequels came out when, like, 90s? Uh, 99 to 2002 and 2005. Yeah, so I would have been non-existent and a literal infant um, while those came out. And so so I guess the sequels, because I got to actually, like, experience being excited for new Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of actually enjoying the films, probably about the same. Because okay. I think they're good films, but obviously every film has its flaws. And yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I just sort of had to ask. All right, Rowan, would you like to uh, introduce the topic? So today, we will be discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, which, as far as we know, we're, we are recording this August 7th. As of recording, we have absolutely 
no idea when it is coming out. We have, I, I believe they mentioned it could be October. Nothing fully confirmed yet, though. So today we are basically going to discuss our hopes, our predictions, our wants for The Mandalorian Season 2. What do we want? How true are the rumors we've been hearing? And uh, what could they possibly bring in from the non-canon Legends continuity uh, now? Um, so, Mackenzie, would you like to start us off? I believe you prepared something uh, for yes, this episode. Yes, I did uh, prepare something when you told me that the, the this theme would be about the Mandalorian. Uh, so before we look into the future, I figured we can take a little look into the past. So I have uh, prepped a brief history of uh, the Mandalorian and the, the Mandalorians, the people, and um, their culture and such. So I'll give you a little little monologue of that. <laughs> if you guys are ready. <laughs> oh, oh, oh we were we were honest. born ready, Mackenzie. Oh, good. So my main source is um, video by Men Nerds Lore on YouTube. Great Star Wars videos. Um, uh, his video is a thirty-four minute video on the history of the Mandalorians that goes way more in depth than this one. I just have major bullet points. Um, so uh, our tale begins 24,000 BBY um, with the Tong species, a species native to Coruscant. Um, these uh, war-mongering uh, species were identifiable with their triangular face um, and the T-shaped divisors on their helms, which uh, carried over um, for the thousands of years the Mandalorians existed. Um, these um, Tong and the those ancient Mandalorians, or the Mandawade in uh, the Tong of Mandalore, um, were worshipped a god called Kad Harangir, a god of warfare that uh, believing that they believed in using conflicts to improve the world, pretty much survival of the fittest to the very extreme. Um, uh, taken pretty much straight from that YouTube video. Uh, their values are very different from ours um, in their religion. Um, eliminating weakness or conquering to them is what happiness or freedom is to us. Something that is good in its own sake. You don't really question why being happy is better, and they don't really question why warfare is better than peace. Um, and so in their religion, they also had a, a devil god uh, called Arasum, um, a god of sloth that tempted a life of stagnation. Um, for them, their Bible of sorts was uh, called the Canons of Honor, which contained the Resonare, or six actions, similar to Ten Commandments, if you're taking that metaphor. Um, those uh, Resonare being uh, to wear the Mandalorian armor, um, which enshrined their armor as something sacred with the like procedure with the helmets, which we see in the show, um, to speak Mandoa, the language of the Mandalorians, to defend oneself and family, to raise children as Mandalorian, to contribute to your clan, and to rally with the Mandalore or the, re uh, the leader of the Mandalorians. Um, so add those, uh, the Tong species, which started the Mandalorian culture, were native to Coruscant um, and were eventually pushed off the world to a backwater planet in the Outer Rim, um, were sad for a very long time until approximately 7,000 BY, where uh, Te Sulik Mandalore, um, or Mandalore the First, created the Mandalorian Crusaders, a massive force that conquered many worlds uh, across the Outer Rim. 
during this, they came upon a very lush planet, rich in material, known as be- um, rich in a material known as Beskar metal, um, a blaster and lightsaber resistant metal. Uh, this planet was also inhabited by giant beasts known as the Mythosaur. The Mandalorians took this as a sign that this world was meant for them, as only great fighters could defeat these uh, dinosaur-looking creatures. Um, this planet became the planet Mandalore. Um, the Mandalorians then made the Mythosaur go extinct. Uh, they hunted them to extinction, and their skulls being a very prominent symbol of the Mandalorians. Um, we see that in the show, like the steel skull that they have and the insignia that many Mandalorians um, wear. Um, So around this time, they began a sort of religious revolution, doing away with their old gods and favors, seeing the act strong over weak as a constant in the universe. Uh, Larger cells consume smaller ones. Planets form by smaller chunks falling into them. Uh, Even a black hole consumes everything but can be consumed by a larger black hole. Um, So it is this divine will of the universe for strong to conquer the weak. And they believe in that by conquering you yourself are divine, um, which is not only some very complicated religious stuff. It's a very good way to rally people um, because it's very like, Um, so um, that's when that started becoming a thing. Um, Also around that time, the first non-Tong Mandalorians were uh, the Mandalian Giants, who successfully repelled the Mandalorians from their planet, but then decided to join them because they liked their culture. Um, Around 4000 BBY, um, during the first Sith Wars, uh, the Mandalore have their first encounters with the Jedi and the Sith. Their first alliance uh, with the Sith comes after Mandalore the Indomitable was bested in combat by a Sith. Um, This war, the first Sith war, uh, was known as the Great Shadow Crusades, the Mandalorians. Um, During that war, the Sith betrayed them, and Mandalore the Indomitable was stranded on the moon Daxon and killed by the beasts that lived there. Um, His successor, Mandalore the Ultimate, then formed the Neo-Crusaders, which recruited more species, including lots of humans. Um, and set up training camps on that very uh, moon, Daxon, uh, where part of their training regiment was to kill the beast that bested their previous leader, um, which I think is one of those, the prime example of Mandalorian culture to to get stronger and conquer. Um, So that's one of their fun tales. Um, Eventually, um, one of the Neo-Crusaders, Mandalore the Ultimate, was defeated by Darth Revan, uh, well, Darth Revan was still a Jedi, um, who took uh, what had become a symbol of the um, Mandalore, the leader of the Mandalorians, a mask, um, leaving them no leader. The Mandalorians fractured into many factions. Um, next, a bounty hunter named Candrus Ordo um, got the mask back as Mandalore the Preserver um, and was the first non-Tong Mandalore. He was a human. Um, and tried to reunite the Mandalorians, but was only a little successful. Um, Then there were several thousand years of Sith meddling and splintering and infighting. Um, Then a thousand BBY new Sith Wars happened with the Mandalorians siding with the Republic. Um, In about uh, 738 BBY, the Republic turns on the Mandalorians with infighting allowing the Republic to win. Uh, The fighting results in Mandalore becoming the sandy wasteland um, we see in the Clone Wars and onward. 
Um, this marks the beginning of a faction called the New Mandalorians, a pacifist group, some believe to have been propped up by the Republic uh, to rule Mandalore. Um, this um, New Mandalorians took on more classical titles instead of calling their leader the Mandalore. They used more stereotypical um, titles, king, queen, duchess, um, and so on. Um, and other factions of Mandalorians were pushed uh, to the planet's moon Concordia, calling so themselves uh, the Akali, or the Faithful. Um, it is also believed that the Darksaber was taken by the Jedi at this time, though its origins, um, aside from it being a symbol of the Mandalore and leader of the Mandalorians, are kind of hazy. Um, so then we go 60 BBY, the Mandalorian Civil Wars begin with a faction called the True Mandalorians, a.k.a. the Super Commandos, um, with a blended belief of the pacifism and the old ways uh, fight the more aggressive uh, Mandalorians Death Watch, who believe in the older uh, ways. And then after that, we get to Clone Wars and Rebels, um, which is far more complicated political infighting. Duchess Satine staying neutral in the Clone Wars, rebels, factions, clans, all that jazz. Well, thank you very much, Mackenzie. I was—I actually did know most of that. I don't know—I <laughs> don't know a lot about the EU. That's sort of my my weakness, I suppose. But so uh, I, I I am a, a deep lord and lord yeah, deep lord fiend. It's great. <laughs> oh, that was actually really awesome. I didn't know. <laughs> All right, so I suppose now we should uh, get on with actually talking about the yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, so I was I was thinking, Mackenzie, while you were saying that, um, I just th thought it was interesting all of the the aspects of the of Mandalorian culture. You know, I feel mm -hmm. like it sort of goes unspoken in a lot of the media that we've seen them in Clone Wars, Rebels, The Mandalorian. I think a lot of the stuff you mentioned is stuff that they're drawing upon, but they're not just saying it outright. They're sort of leaving it up to, oh, you know, he did this, but why did he do this? Oh, because of the Mandalorian Creed. Um, yeah. So I think... Another side note um, yeah. that may be important is, aside from the Mandalorian, who has no other name than the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. um, the only Mandalorian we really get to see, at least in the films, is Boba Fett and yeah. Jango Fett. Um, who, at least in most uh, interpretations of the lore, aren't really true Mandalorians. Uh, Boba mm. Fett was kind of a Mandalorian, but was mostly a bounty hunter. Um, and though he did some Mandalorian stuff, like with the T-Visor and had the Mandalorian armor, wasn't like involved in any of the factions, was mostly just an independent. Um, and same with uh, Boba uh I forget which one I said before, but both Boba and Jango were kind of independent with some aspects of the Mandalorian culture, but not mm -hmm. much. Didn't didn't Mandalorian have a name? Wasn't it like Din Din Jaren or something something along, along those lines? Uh, he might have. Hold on. I think that I think Moff Gideon said it in the last few like few episodes. He called him by name, and that was when the Mandalorian was like, "Oh shit." this guy is, like, the real deal. Dean Jaren. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, but like everyone called him Mando. So, obviously, yes. his name yeah. isn't a big part of who he is. Because wasn't his... Because um, he was taken in by Death Watch when he was younger, I think, right? I forget which faction it said that he 
was part of. It it's uh most likely Death Watch because the Super Commandos had their creed was closer to um like oh we believe in the fighting and conquering but for into protecting oneself and individual freedoms not this whole divine will of the universe then of course there were the pacifists who were pacifists <laughs> and um death watch and a couple other factions were like the true mandalorians who were like conquering is the will of the universe and all that yeah. jazz yeah. Well, I think we can all agree he's not with the pacifists, but I think that's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sebastian, what gave you that impression? Was, was it when he, yeah. when, he, when he cut the guy in half in the opening scene? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, well, I suppose uh, let's uh, get on with uh, season two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. obviously there was there were the plot threads that were left open, such as mm-hmm. Moff Gideon, the Darksaber, mm-hmm. Baby Yoda, yeah. a lot of stuff that I, that I could tell they were setting it up in Season 1 mm-hmm. to be explored later mm-hmm. on, for sure. I'm very excited, in particular, by the Darksaber. One, I think they made it look excellent in live action, oh, yeah, which sure. I was like, I've always been curious how they would do it in live action, because it's a... if. For listeners, if you've never seen it before, it's this very strange-looking lightsaber that looks more like a normal sword, like it's a flat blade. Um, And it's black with a sort of weird whitish pattern on it. It looks void, I guess, uh, is the best way to describe it. Um, And I was very excited when that uh, got pulled out because it's like, oh, that actually looks pretty cool in live action. Um, yeah, I didn't realize until now that uh, you're absolutely right. We have never actually seen it before in live action. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know why I, I never realized that. Yeah, and I I think it's going to be interesting seeing um, like because this is I think the latest we've seen it in in canon because we saw it yes. in Rebels, but that was before um, yeah. a, a, a New Hope, and so we don't know how it ended up in the Imperial Security Bureau's um, mm-hmm. uh, custody. And, yeah, and we don't know what happens after that. So, like, they can really do anything they, can... they want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, because there is um, the implied event in The Mandalorian, uh, The Siege of Mandalore, mm-hmm. um, which is implied to be an Imperial invasion of Mandalore, um, which is, I bet, is so far been kind of vague. Wait, wasn't um, wasn't that um, was it different than the Siege of Mandalore we saw in the Clone Wars season seven? I think it. I think it's different my, because I think there is a different Siege of Mandalore. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the Empire wasn't formed in the Clone Wars one, so the ISB had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, yeah. So it it must have been must have been something different. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I have a feeling we're we're gonna get a lot more backstory in season two, which could either be a good thing or a bad thing because we don't want to ruin uh, Mando's sort of, I guess, um, mysterious mystery. Exactly the mystery yeah. and the ambiguity. Um, I feel the like criticism I had with that. Is uh-huh. I really wish they didn't show his face in the final yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I felt like 
they should have made it clear that I the IG robot took his mm-hmm. helmet off. Yeah. yeah. Um, like maybe showing the helmet set down somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I felt that they shouldn't have shown his face yeah. because, like, I think that that that's part of that magic of the character. And like, honestly, I, I, when I first watched it, I looked away. Like I didn't watch the screen when it was clear that they were actually <laughs> yeah. showing his face yeah. because I wanted to keep that mystique because that's the cool part. Like he isn't this, he isn't this face. He is part of this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was yeah. like one of my main criticisms of the Mandalorian. Yeah, no, I gotta agree with you. I I genuinely thought that they were gonna do like a cutaway or something right as he was taking off the mask, and I uh, well, obviously I was wrong. And yeah, <laughs> even even knowing um beforehand what the actor looked like who played him, it was still I don't know. I was still kind of like shocked seeing his actual face. Yeah. Know? Well, I, so I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is the best way to get. I, I'm raising my hand. I feel like that's the best way to to say to, to show. Oh, I have something to say. Anyway, um, I think the main reason they did that was because they wanted to get their money's worth with Pedro Pascal. Because until then, he had really only been doing the voice, and like a, like a lot of the time, it wasn't him actually in the suit. Like, for, I think it was episodes three, four, and five production, he was in New York doing King Lear on, on Broadway. He wasn't even uh, there. Um, so I feel like they felt obligated to have him in there f- physically at least once, which I agree with you was a little bit of a hit to the whole culture thing and just sort of makes it... It doesn't nullify it. It just sort of lessens the, I guess, the impact that, you know, like, then if they had waited a few seasons to show it, it would have been like, oh, you know, like, they're really serious about this, as, as opposed to, oh, no, they're just doing it for a money shot. Um, I, also, yeah. I also think that because the character, the only character who saw his face died, I that's another reason I think it would have been, like, better if they hadn't shown his face, because yeah. then we would be in sort of the same boat as all the other characters in his crew, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. So, um, and as you were saying um, a little earlier, I am hoping that they do expand more on the Darksaber because yeah. um, when I was giving my history summary, there really wasn't all too much about the Darksaber because I believe in its, in, like, the backstory of it is introduced in rebels of it being like this is the symbol of mandalorians they love this thing um (laughs) and like there's really no other like information on it than about a thousand years like i believe it said like a millennia ago the jedi took it from us and that was like it um yeah so like they they definitely had the opportunity to expand on where did it come from? How did it get made? What, like, where did it get passed around to? Cause it kind of like, there's a very big gap period from when the Jedi took it to when it shows up in, I, does it show up in Clone Wars? It does. It, it does. does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. has it. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows up in Clone Wars. Um, and it bounces around factions in, Clone Wars and Rebels, 
and then out again um, with the second siege of, with the imperial siege of Mandalore. I also think that if they're gonna do like sort of a backstory for, uh, for the dark saber, I think that a show that focuses a lot on Mandalorians as a like culture is kind of the perfect mm-hmm. place to do it. Like I, in the Mandalorian, you see like all new parts of Mandalorians that you don't see in a lot of the other series, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think I think this would be a good time to show that sort of thing. Yeah, because yeah. um, Clone Wars and Rebels sort of hinted at it. Like Rebels was like, oh, mm-hmm. it was the first Mandalorian Jedi, Tare Vizsla, who made it, and then the Jedi took it after he's, his death. But that's all they said. And but I and like but neither of those shows focused specifically on the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. While the Mandalorian they both had, like, obviously arcs does relating to them, yeah, but never yeah. really a yeah. full focus. Yeah, which I um, think another, The Mandalorian is the perfect show to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I'm kind of curious about, this is like a little bit off topic, um, it, but since we're talking about like how things came into the into existence, just because of the time frame that this show has set in, I would like to see, I don't know, something relating to how the First Order sort of came into yeah. existence. Yeah. Because watching the new trilogy, I feel like they don't, explain that very well like, yeah it just, it just it, sort it, of it just exists it exists in yeah. episode seven and you know i yeah last i checked i thought that like a new republic and all that was formed after episode six and so i'm kind of curious like as far as i know so um i believe one of the star wars battlefront video games goes a little bit into like the straggling mm-hmm. imperial factions yeah. after yeah. um Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, it does. So, like, there's a little bit of that, but that's still not even, like, really into First Order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the, ex- like, the extended universe and Legends is kind of completely out the window when it comes to, like, that period of time. Because mm-hmm. in the original, um, like, the Star Wars Legends, it was Admiral Thrawn the blue guy um, that shows up in Rebels, um, who, like, re-rallied Imperial forces and attacked the New Republic. I kind of want to see um, him. It would be really cool to see him in live action. Honestly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's definitely a strong contender to show up, um, especially because he would definitely be one of the, like, Imperial power players. Um, and I think... Disney would be very much amiss to not use him yeah. in a post-Empire story, especially because he was such a huge part of the original post-Empire stories. And he's also variously, obviously, not in the um, in the sequel trilogy. So yes. explaining what happened mm-hmm. to him would also be mm-hmm. very helpful to sort of fill in some gaps there. Yeah. They could definitely do a... pull a Rogue One and kill him off right before something that we've seen before happens yeah um yeah um i have a question for you guys um so we've had a lot so we've heard a lot of rumors about what's happening in mandalorian season two and how um and what characters will appear in there we've heard rumors that Rosario Dawson will appear as Ahsoka Tano. We've heard rumors that um, that uh, uh, Tamira Morrison will play Boba Fett, Captain Rex, or potentially both. 
Who knows? What do you guys think about those characters being in- included? I very briefly thought, like, why would they do that? And then it was like, they're clones. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, I always kind of wondered, because I remember ever since I was little, you know, you hear about how Boba Fett actually didn't die in the, in the Sarlacc pit, that yeah, he actually yeah. made it out of there. And I never, like saw or heard what happened to him after except for when i played um the jedi academy game mm-hmm. um he briefly shows up in one level and still doesn't explain what happened to him <laughs> so i read I, um they're, they're, I, again being deep lore nerd i don't think i have it up here but i did definitely read a star wars novel um oh man i forget what it was called but it was about the the five bounty hunters that the Empire sends in um um damn it what's the Empire Middle Empire Empire Strikes Back yes an Empire Strikes Back <laughs> Jesus excuse me um about the five bounty hunters yeah, that yeah. the Empire sends in like and like all their little tales which is a really good novel um mm. but I do remember the one about Boba Fett was him. He when he got tossed in the Sarlacc pit, survived, like blasted his way out, got new armor, and mm-hmm. went off on his merry way. I read a um, I read a a, a comic uh, that's legends now. It's not canon anymore, but mm-hmm. um, was set I think five years afterward because Han and Leia were having their younger their younger child. Um, there's a whole tragic story there, but anyway. Um, so Boba Fett, I think, teamed up with Dengar, who was another one of the bounty hunters from Empire. So, uh, I I believe Boba Fett and Dengar teamed up and they were working for Palpatine's clone, I think, um, to, I think, capture... Was it the thing that, the, like, sort of, the pseudo-Palpatine that showed up in, um, uh, the Battlefront game, like, the weird, like, hologram head... Uh, well, I think in the comics, I think he, like the EU comics, he actually clones himself, like, many times. Like, just like Rise of Skywalker, sort of. He clones himself, like, many times, and, like, they keep on killing him, and he keeps on coming back. I don't remember how they defeat him, but they do, somehow. Um, but, yeah, I think Boba Fett was a part of that storyline, and it explains, oh, like, just what you said, he blasted himself out, got himself new armor, basically rehabilitated himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was actually I was thinking about it more because I I said earlier that Boba and Jango Fett weren't like really Mandalorians; they were kind of, but not super. Um, and I was thinking of which faction um, the Mando would be in, and I'm pretty sure he actually might not be part of any faction we've heard of before mm-hmm. because Death Watch is definitely far more aggressive and wouldn't be hiding the way the Mandalorians were in the show. Um, And also, the Mandalorians in the show don't seem to have the same, like, blend things as Super Commandos, so I'm pretty sure it's just one of the many independent factions because Mm -hmm. pretty much after the first Mandalorian Crusades, the Mandalorians just kept splintering and like there were a couple core ones, but there were always just like factions everywhere. So it's very believable that they could just be an independent faction of Mandalorians. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, with Disney's new canon, they can pretty much do whatever they want. They could say, oh, there's a faction of Mandalorians that none of you have ever heard of before. Ha ha ha. They yeah. Can, yeah and can. also, like, I'm pretty sure that the Mando's faction probably is one that split earlier than the Clone Wars because we can see in the Clone Wars, like, um, uh, oh, what's her name in Rebels? Uh, Satine? No, not Satine. Uh, Sabine. Sabine, Sabine. Like, that's Sabine. it. Yeah. Their names are so uh, goddamn similar. The only one who hasn't seen Rebels. Sabine and, like, most of the Vizlas and, like, the Super Commandos don't have the same, like, keep your helmet on always thing yeah. as mm-hmm. uh, Mando's faction. So I'm guessing that he's part of a more ancient faction, so to speak. Yeah, like a more uh, like a more traditionalist type thing. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, what do you guys think of Ahsoka being in it? Because that would be like I, I, I don't even. I, I I'm trying to figure out how they would work that in. Like, I feel like Boba Fett you could fit in rather yeah. easily because the show like has a bunch of bounty hunters. It's yeah. not, uh, and you know, a bunch of Mandalorians too. Of it's not unreasonable for for the two to you know come together yeah but i i would be very curious as to how they could fit ahsoka in i mean something to do with baby yoda i'm assuming yeah that's what i was that's what i was about to say they could do something with like baby yoda i don't know with the child they want you to call it the child oh right it's the child we can't give in to their corporate like their corporate (laughs) branding mackenzie god The independent. Well, but, I mean, honestly, I'm down with it being the child <laughs> yeah. instead of Baby yeah. Yoda. Yeah, yeah, because cause Baby Yoda is just literally I, describing it's, what it it's is. it's also very clearly that the living it is the feces. Um, yeah. And, like, that's the whole thing because if you go into, like, lore of Yoda, like, no one knows what his species mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And there's only, like, four that ever, like, show up. At all, like ever, yeah. There's like, there's Yoda, there's Yadel, there's wait, um, it, it's it's Yadel. I I always thought it was Yaddle. I thought it was Yaddle. <laughs> Yaddle, it might be Yaddle. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. There's another one that I forget the name of. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh made a really cool lightsaber technique of he would have five lightsabers that he controlled with the force that Whoa. just kind of like <laughs> floated. <laughs> that would, he held five lightsabers with two hands. I, I thought he was going to go all uh, Zorro and go one in each hand, one in the mouth, and then maybe one in each foot or something like that. But <laughs> Yeah, no, he wielded them with the force so they would like float around him and do stuff um so that was like his thing and then think, of course uh the child so yeah, i no, think i think that's like the only four of that species that them to maybe expand on that yeah um i think another downside to calling it baby yoda i had a friend um i think you both yeah you both know him, dan uh, yeah. Dan thought it was actually Yoda, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, okay, Timelines don't match up for that. Yeah, I, he didn't know what year it was set. I guess the storm, the like Empire remnants didn't tip him off enough. Um, but yeah, no, I guess uh, some people actually thought it was Yoda. 
I, I think there were a couple of other people too that thought it was actually him. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can see that if you're someone that's not super into Star Wars mm-hmm. and like don't really like you're like eh, clone troopers, stormtroopers, they're all the twice uh, yeah, things. Those are, you just, and like you know that the Republic became the Empire and they're kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I can see how that would all mesh together in like oh this is you know way before. Um, yeah, no, but not pros like us. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I was wondering is, um, like you mentioned, there have only been like a handful of this species. So I feel like I feel like the 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 child has to be destined for like something. I, I'm kind of curious as to what their end. Like I, I doubt they're gonna kill them off. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah no. Well, I'm but, also curious. Like, obviously, he has. To, I feel like he's gonna do something important. I don't know. Maybe 800 years down the road. Um, yeah. Well, because I'm also curious because they they go a bit more into the life cycle of that species. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we obviously know that, like, they live a long time. Like, mm-hmm. Yoda was, like, what, 300 years old or whatever? Um, 900, yeah. 900, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. because I know the, child, still, the child's 50 years old. 50 yeah, yeah, years old. Yeah. But I think the important thing to note that even though it's 50, it still acts like a small child. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when does it reach, like... It does stuff on yeah. its own maturity, um, which is weird because, like, with that life cycle, like, they could have easily had it still be, like, three years old yeah. and mm-hmm. live for a long time. So, like, I'm intrigued as to, like, how that progresses in terms of age because then, like, that would put it at, like, 70 at most um during the sequel yeah trilogy um mm-hmm. so it's like is that enough for it to be doing anything at that point like how are they gonna kind of cope with them adding something very important and powerful that could have been a game changer in their other movies before the other movies Mm-hmm. Which I get is, which I guess is like what Star Wars is all about, because like there's really just like a a one hundred year span with the like Clone Wars, like of the Skywalkers, just that like is mm-hmm. super dense. And as soon as you put something in that span of time, you gotta like make sure it fits with everything, yeah, all of it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like that's the funny thing about Star Wars is that like. Every, like, infinite universe thing can, like, go back a couple thousand years, and, like, it's pretty sporadic up until that, like, 100-year span of the Skywalkers, and then, like, it's super dense, and then it peters off. You know, that's why I'm kind of, like, curious. Uh, I want to see how they... Obviously, we have, like, a bunch of stuff between um, every, like, between every episode, I feel, except for... I feel I feel like the main gap at the moment is between six and seven, mm-hmm. where the Mandalorian takes place. And I really want to see how they continue to sort of fill in that time gap and like all the events that happen. Which is why I'm, you know, like why I'm excited for stuff like Mandalorian season two, and I want to see yeah. how like all the important things that happen 
in between trilogies because they're pretty drastic differences. I, I really want to see how like all of that came into into place. And obviously, the Mandalorian isn't going to explain like the entirety of it. Yeah, but, you know, a little bit here and there. Yeah, and I, I want them to explain some of the the like facets of it, but not go too deep into again like the Skywalker lineage because yeah. like yeah, I I think we talked about this on uh, on Rowan's six minutes apart, but like how the Skywalkers as like that lineage and that core of the star Wars thing is like, so spent in a way, like we, like we get it. Like we got this like very dense chunk of this universe, but people love this series so much that there is literally the entire universe of stuff. And we just want, the rest of it. We want to look mm. at the rest of the universe, so let us do that. <laughs> well, all the Skywalkers are dead now, so... <laughs> yeah, thank God. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't I was, think we're going to get too much thing, out of them. I was reading a thing about, like, how, like, people are like, why does Rey take the name Skywalker afterwards? Which is a very valid question, and I still think it's very weird. But, like, from some of the lore, technically Palpatine is kind of Anakin's dad by using, like, the Darth Plagueis, like, creating Mm -hmm. life thing to make Anakin. So Anakin is kind of a Palpatine and decided to be Skywalker. So through that same logic, Rey can also be a Skywalker because she's related to Palpatine. Anakin, like... I guess, but well, it's also still a little weird. Well, see, I always figured that the name Skywalker didn't come... Uh, I don't think Anakin made it. was his mother's name, right? Well, so, yeah. So I guess if we want to keep going with this lineage, which I know Mackenzie is very excited about, we can go to, like, Shmi's father or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It just is such a weird... Like, <laughs> it gets real weird real fast, yeah. but, like... I do, it, yeah. I'm also <laughs> interested. <laughs> I'm also interested in I, like the last Skywalker thing. I promise. Although this isn't really a Skywalker type thing. Um, so, to what extent is Rey actually Palpatine's grandson? Because her granddaughter. F- granddaughter. <laughs> sorry, my bad. My <laughs> just wasn't thinking there. Um, so her father was was a failed a failed clone of Palpatine, according to one of the expanded universe material type things because so palpatine okay. never or, or at least not that we know of had sex Palpatine never had sex i, Jango I don't know is what? considered boba fett's son or, or other way around yeah. 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 yeah yeah boba is considered Django's son mm-hmm. so i guess the palpatine clone could be considered palpatine's son yeah so yeah it's it's, it's just a huge contradiction well well yeah i mean I, I i don't think it's a contradiction i just think it's like to what extent are they biologically related? So would she be more of his daughter in that case? He would be, uh, if, if you a... want to speak technically biologically, Ray shares 50% of her DNA with Palpatine and is therefore genetically a daughter, but <laughs> lineagely a granddaughter because Palpatine created a being yeah. that then created 
Ray. So through that sort of generational lens, she would be granddaughter. God, I, would, I, 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 wish, they had, I wish they had gone with dual with, face. With Rise of Ecker, where she just booted out the paint and screwed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was. I've been wondering that for like um, a year now. And, um, <laughs> birthing pod, I guess. It was, it was Sly Moore. It was the Umbaran woman. Yeah, see, who, that's what I think. It was the bald <laughs> Umbaran woman who was just like, 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 just like by a side, like, like for the whole like third movie, I just I I want to know more. Like, did he did he rape her? Like, what's the what what's the whole deal there? Be honest, he would, he really would. Yeah, that's not out of character. Yeah, for Palpatine. Um, yeah. I don't know if Disney would be willing. Oh no to, no no! To Disney Dis- Disney's not going to say Disney anything. Disney would never. No 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 Something. Yeah, Disney would never be able to take on something that serious um ever <laughs> yeah i mean like they were they were like super super like conservative about about the one like half a second gay kiss at the end of at the end of rise of skywalker they were like oh I guys i didn't even know that i didn't even know that happened. yeah i, yeah, I, I, I remember, they were like I guys we're allies it, now. but i didn't notice it watching yeah. the movie yeah, it was like um, it, it it was a blink and you'll miss a thing. But they made about but they made a big deal about. They're like, hey guys, we're allies now. Look, look, well, look, see, look what, what we did. That's what uh, Austin the Biz called queer baiting, which is putting uh, some LGBT representation specifically for the purpose of it being like, look at our gay. <laughs> See, we're cool. <laughs> which, like, I guess is better than them being anti-LGBT, but yeah. it's still like, not great because it's them using uh, sexual, like, LGBT mm-hmm. as a marketing strategy rather yeah. than, like, actually being uh, considerate, which is still not great. Yeah. Corporate yeah. America sucks. Need <laughs> <laughs> the rich. All right, so back back to uh, Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a tangent. It's uh, all right. A good tangent, I think. A good so, tangent, good tangent. Yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. uh, another thing I thought, a uh, very important question, I think is on everyone's minds as we go into season two. Will he get a jetpack? He got one. He did? At the end. Oh, that yeah, was like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. Did yeah. I, how did I miss that? Was that was like the climax. <laughs> Got the thing. Okay, he I, got I must the jetpack. He's got it. Have, damn, I must have spaced out. Well, Se- Sebastian, only your mind. Sebastian, when we when we rewatch season one for this podcast, I'm I, gonna make the- I'm gonna make fun of you relentlessly when that comes up. I'm gonna be like, how did you I, miss I watched, this? I watched the like first episode like three times because I kept watching with different people, and then uh, like I guess I, I somehow missed the last. Oh damn! I need to rewatch <laughs> that. I guess I, that was how we took down the the. Uh, you're very Tide right. Fighter. I, I remember this. Now. He, I do. He it, was right? like, "I gotta do this. He's gotta. I gotta." Like, I know, okay, um, I'll I'll have to rewatch this later. Because at the end, she was like, "This is your yeah. your final responsibility to our our yes. land. Yes. Okay, you're the last one, so you need to take this." And he was like, "All oh. right." <laughs> there goes uh, one fifth of the notes I had appointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, another thing I kind of want to see is um, I sort of want to see what was his name, Ma- uh, Moff, um, Moff Gideon. Gideon. Yeah, right. I want to see. I I, I really want to see more with his 
character, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, I, I think they could do, like, real interesting things with him, sort of, like, as a main antagonist. It, you know, maybe not of, like, the series, but at the very least this season, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think they could do some cool stuff with, with a main antagonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Giancarlo Esposito is such an incredible actor. We need to see more of him because you know he was he was at the like the like the tail end of episode seven and then he was like they built him up and then he was sort of in like three scenes in episode eight so I I really hope they make him more of like they commit to him as a main antagonist or they commit to someone else because I feel like there needs to be some sort of consistent conflict because you know season one was really like adventure of the yeah. week i want to see more serial uh, serialization there um, yeah i agree i think i think having like an adventure of the week is still like a nice but i feel like there needed to be more of an overarching like connecting story which i guess kind of was with a child but i i don't know it didn't um, well yeah. what the, i think what disney was yeah. trying to go for is like your you're like space western like kind of like mm-hmm. firefly is kind of the vibe that they're going for um and i think that they leaned a little bit too much into the episodic rather than yeah. the arcing um yeah. in terms of that balance though i think that they will be able to correct that um, mm-hmm. and still still have the fun of the episodic, but mm-hmm. be able to have the intrigue of the overarching in the next season. I think Disney's generally okay at learning from yeah. mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that they'll be able to uh, mend that. Yeah, for sure. Any more notes, Sebastian? Uh, no, but I got, oh, uh, one more here. One more. I kind of wanted to see a space battle, like a good, like yeah. actual, like like a couple of dog fights here and there. I don't know yeah. how well suited his ship is for that sort of thing. So maybe it was just wishful thinking. But um, mm. yeah, that's sort of like my last. That's my last thing here. It just literally says space battle. I feel I like see I feel like that would actually make it better that the Razor Crest isn't that equipped or like good for mm. space mm-hmm. battle. I feel like yeah. that would make it more interesting and more like suspenseful. You know, because mm-hmm. like like there could be a genuine conflict or tension there as to oh, like is the ship going to be okay? You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also think that. Um, like you said about the tension, I feel like a lot of the tension is lost once he gets the the Beskar armor because it essentially makes him bulletproof. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, you know, obviously he still faces dangers, you know, here and there, but it's yeah. a lot less than what it was, you know, than what it would be for a normal yeah. person. So I think with with like uh, a ship maybe not so suited for combat, they could have you know him getting into like actual trouble, um, and then. It would be interesting to see. He would have to come up with like all sorts of crafty, clever ways to get out of, mm-hmm. you know, danger. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, I also think it, it connects back to to what you were saying earlier, like bringing Moff Gideon more into it, um, because I think with the like as you were saying, he's practically bulletproof with the Vescar. Um, mm-hmm. Having the dark saber in combat situations 
at least to a certain extent, nullifies that advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives him a, at least more of a threat than blasters. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that they, they may lean more into that to have a bit more danger. Um, For sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So well, do the two of you have any more notes you would like to discuss or did we get everything? I think we've covered, we could do a follow-up episode if, if we, like, especially once we know more about the season, because right now we know nothing. We know quite yeah. literally nothing about There, there are a lot of happen. rumors, but there's exactly. not a lot. Like, exactly. I mean, like, we could do a whole episode just about the rumors that have come out. Yeah. Because it's already been renewed for season three as well. So. Oh. Yeah. So there's a lot that we could think about there. And so I'm sure once we... Um, in between now, uh, this episode will be released near the like near the tail end of August. In between now and in the next few months before the sh- the season premieres, we're definitely going to learn and cover a lot more of um, our predictions and what's going to happen in season two. So, um, I want to thank. Oh, our... I was thinking oh, about yeah? Rex. Oh yeah, Rex. 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 We yeah. To yeah. Talk more on yeah, that. Yeah. Because we we brought it up as a talking point and then moved on. Um. I was thinking, like, I do think it would be very interesting to bring, um, especially Rex and Boba interacting would be mm-hmm. very cool because they are, again, in that weird way we were talking about brothers, but also, like, so very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be a very interesting dynamic to play. And I think, like, it, especially Mando, Boba, and Rex, like, all interacting would be a very interesting dynamic because mm-hmm. Boba is, like, is the Jango Fett clone but has sort of culture, but not too much. Mando is not related to Django at all but has that deep Mandalorian culture. Rex has no Mandalorian culture but has that sort of weird connection to Django. And so having this... Like, they're all clearly very similar, yet so different in these ways. Um, I'd be very interested to see all of that play out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, in and terms of, like, character-driven story. Yeah, I think that was another sort of misstep in season one, because, yeah, we, you know, we get to know our main character a tiny bit, I mean, the supporting characters are much more fleshed out than he is. So mm-hmm. I feel like, and, and like even that's not too much. So I feel like we need a little bit more of the character, um, just char- character building, you know, just more I think, development. Yeah. I think the two best character, like, the two like characters that got the most building were the two scout troopers at the beginning of the last <laughs> episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was definitely one of my favorite scenes in the Oh yeah, show. for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. That was yeah. that um, was really clever. Yeah. But um I loved that scene just because I love like machinations of the Empire mm. is one of like my favorite things in Star Wars because mm. just like it's it it goes back to like the Skywalkers are such a really little part of mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe. And I love thinking about how, like, for, like, 99% of the Empire, 
like the whole Palpatine Darth Vader, like they're just like these weird fanatical people, CEO of the company that are just kind of like around and where, well, everyone else is off like doing their job. Yeah. Uh, I talked about this on uh, Rowan's other podcast, but one of my favorite Star Wars books from a certain point of view has like a bunch of these like internal machinations of the empire stories that are just like mm-hmm. these people like that are just doing their job and like it's like these weird fanatical people flourishing doing all these weird stuff that everyone else is just like get a little of these whack jobs like <laughs> what what are they doing no, but i um i love seeing something like that in an actual like Star Wars show because oh, yeah. usually you see that sort of thing in like you know like a Family Guy or you know Robot yeah. Chicken parody or whatever. But it was it was really I thought it was really neat seeing it like actually in yeah a canon sort of. It thing. reminded me of one of my favorite like spinoff Star Wars stories is um, Tag and Bink are dead. Have you heard of that? I've never heard, heard, um, heard of them. Yeah. Tag and Bink are dead. Um, is it's based on have you heard of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead the like Hamlet spinoff I think I heard somebody mention that one the the premise of it and the same as the premise with Tag and Bink is that they are like offhand responsible for like everything that happens in the main story they're like just off screen as everything's happening and Mm -hmm. so like they're always there they're just like in the background and off screen um like in and it's not obviously not canon because it's yeah whack but like they're like the royal guard in like return of the jedi like that are just kind of like there and just like what is going on and like they're the troopers in in a new hope that are like oh have you seen those new droids as like obi-wan sneaks past them um they're like like they're just all over the place in all these like weird little things uh i think in one of the comics they're the ones that give uh, Anakin the line I don't like sand <laughs> like because they're, they're like they're like two like Padawans that are kids that are just kind of like messing around and it's like what should I say and he's like well, well what do you like and he's like well I like uh I don't like sand they're like well then tell her you don't like sand <laughs> and it's just like two little kids <laughs> uh, I and then afterwards they're like eavesdropping and they're and he's like I don't like sand it feels coarse and they're like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, looking at Tiger Bigger Dead, it's hilarious. And that's what that like scene reminded me of, just like little machinations in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I would like to thank our guest, Mackenzie DeMello, who is joining us for the first time and will undoubtedly be back at some point. Oh, I would love to be back. For sure. For Such sure. a great time. I, I think you know. You you can definitely make a comeback. I think though. Yes. This was great. Let me know about a different topic, and I'll do do some do some research. I'll oh, be I'm your sure. uh, brief history segment person. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, and I'm sure we'll do more coverage on the Mandalorian, especially as season two crawls a little mm-hmm. closer. Um, and so, thank you all for listening or watching uh, across the stars, whatever medium you're using. We appreciate you. Uh, my name is Rowan Wood. I'm Sebastian Rickerhoff, and this is. I'm Mackenzie DeMal. And this is Across the Stars, and we will see you all, or rather, you'll hear us or see you. Mackenzie, you have something to say.
Yeah, can I plug my podcast, of course, Words on the Edge? Of course, please do. <laughs> I have a podcast, Words on the Edge, available everywhere. A new episode should be coming out soon. Yes. Where can people find it? Uh, everywhere. I use Anchor, oh, so okay. it's uploaded on all the places. <laughs> the edge. I'm pretty sure I have SEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, just search Words on the Edge. It'll come up. Oh, awesome. I got that SEO, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. So thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time.